All right. Welcome to a new episode of Saw Something Scary. Derek Zoo, Jeff Wright, back in the studio. Jeff, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm making it, man. It's been it's been some crazy time since we uh, last recorded, but otherwise, I'm making it. It's uh, It's been nuts, man, for sure. Yeah, I hear you're back hard on the grind at the Stampede of Branson. Yeah, man. We uh, we opened up on Wednesday, the July 1st, and in that time frame, what, that's six days, I've done 12 shows, I think. Man. Maybe, four, maybe 14. Let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's seven. Saturday would be 10. Yeah, 14. 14 shows in the last... Uh, whatever five days. So, dang. How how long does the show run? Uh, currently, the show lasts about an hour twenty to an hour twenty five. And then, how much break do you get between shows? Me personally, I get about forty five minutes. Um, everyone else in the cast gets about an hour, but I have to dismiss. Uh, now, due to the new COVID regulations, we dismiss everyone row by row. Gotcha. And so I am the one that has to dismiss everyone row by row. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a grind, man. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, nuts, you know. And you come in after after three months off, and and you're doing two shows a day, and you know your body's trying to acclimate back to running in the sand and cowboy boots and. You know, getting on and off a horse and everything. It's it's uh, been a rough week, but well, I'm sorry. I hope you. I don't know what what the right word is. I, I hope you get your sand legs, your horse legs. Yeah, I call it my uh, I call it my stampede callus. Okay. Well, I hope the stand the stampede callus forms quickly and hard. I jeez, yeah. I don't I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yeah. If not, I'm just going to go work for Shobi Tabuchi. Is like his fiddle carrier or something. I did. I mean, you could convince me that name was made up, but the way you used it makes me think it's real. Yeah. So, uh, Sho- Shoji Tabuchi is a Japanese American country music fiddler and singer. And uh, he, he owns and operates his own theater here in Branson called the Shobi Tabuchi Theater. He was associated uh, for the longest time with Roy Acuff. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he met Roy uh, when Roy came to Osaka, Japan, in like the mid '60s, and um, and so then Tabuchi like moved to America after, or maybe in college, uh, but moved to America with like five hundred dollars in his pocket and his violin, and uh, finally he like lived in a couple of different places and finally got to Nashville and reconnected with Roy Acuff. And then um, Roy Acuff got him hooked up with the Grand Ole Opry. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I really do want to. I want to know more, but there's no chance I can successfully Google search that guy's name. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I will probably um, mangle it so bad I end up on a watch list somewhere. I tell you what, man. If you want to know more about him, you can go to www.shoji.com, and Shoji is S-H-O-J-I.com. Okay. Gosh, thank you. I mean, I feel like yeah. that's a mama bird chewing up the food and spitting it in the baby bird's <laughs> mouth, but <laughs> thank you. I can do Shoji, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's uh, he's he's old man. He's like 76 years old, um, but he, he's an interesting fella. I haven't seen the show because, you know, I'm usually working when his stuff is going on, but it was one of those things where... You you remember on the office when um, the Stanford Connecticut branch merged with Branson or not Branson? With, uh, <laughs> it's on your brain, buddy. It is with Scranton. <laughs> yeah, and although that would have been a fun show too. <laughs> um, I just want Creed to fill in for you as Skeeter. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, so the Scrant or the Stanford branch merged with Scranton, and Rashida Jones' character asked who Bob Vance was. Uh-huh. You yeah. remember that? And Phyllis was like, "You've got a lot to learn about this town, sweetheart." <laughs> uh, that's what happened to me with Shoji Tabuji. Okay, somebody was like, "Yeah," like acting like they were. I guess they were trying to brag to me, but they're like, "Yeah, I used to uh, be a backup singer at Shoji's," and I was like, "I oh, was at like a restaurant here," and they're like, "Shoji's." Shoji Tabuchi? And I was like, guys, you're saying foreign words. I don't understand what you're saying. And I mean, quite like, literally oh. for an American using <laughs> yeah. a Japanese name, you are using foreign words. Yeah. 
and uh, and so I had to be educated in the ways of shoji debuji. Okay. Well, I mean, as a man who's just recently undergone that experience, I can understand. It's uh, it's it's kind of a it's a surprise, I guess is what I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah. He's uh, the king of Branson. Well, look, I'm a, I mean, surprise, surprise. People have heard was, me talk. Was the king of Branson. There's a new sheriff in town now. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, as people who've heard me speak probably could guess, I actually really like Roots country music. <laughs> so, like, uh, you can keep your bro country stuff. But, as you know, people have heard me talk about, like, in Sturgill on the podcast and uh, definitely by the time you get to Roy Acuff, I like that stuff. So uh, I will be Googling, or not Googling, no, I will go to the .com you carefully read out to me. Probably listening to this podcast, writing down the the full text of it before uh, before I put it in my search engine. Yeah, and he's apparently like a giant, man. He's apparently like six foot seven or six foot eight or something like that. Really? Yeah, so this gigantic Japanese man playing the fiddle. It's, it's interesting. Mm. Well, all right. Saw something Appalachia coming at you. Yeah, we're just going to turn this into a Branson podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Branson. We're your designated tour guides. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's, there's a market in that for some people, although I don't know if Branson's, you know, their target demographic is really into podcasts. Uh, I, I listened to a lot of New Orleans podcasts before we went and visited the last time, so there's a market. I mean, I don't think that there's anything uh, like that or about Branson, but it would be... It would be interesting to find out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that backup singer for Soji can do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they've already let the stampede. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. If you if I decide to stick around here for one more season, and you want to come out next year, we'll uh, I'll get you some Soji Debuchi tickets. Sweet dude, sweet. I appreciate that offer. I'd love to take you up on it. Maybe there will be a next year. That would be nice, yeah. wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. Speaking of that, so since we last recorded, I thought I would just tell you um, I had another coronavirus scare. That oh my goodness, Jeff! Yeah, there was a there was a funeral in my small town. The guy who died was well liked by everybody. Uh, it was well attended. You know, uh, there were a lot of masks, but there was also a lot of not masks. And uh, anyway, so I came away thinking that eh, might have been exposed and. Uh, I went and had the had the Rona test. Have you heard anything about these these swab jobs they do on you? Yes, I'm sure our listeners have either dealt with this or are familiar with it. But just because I've been living in bliss, uh, I didn't have to have to you know be exposed or experience those things. They straight up swabbed away like six of my IQ points. Oh my goodness! Yeah, dude, they go they go uh, they go way back in there. Yeah, they're like Janet Jackson. They go deep. <laughs> I was talking. Uh, I, I want to tread very carefully here. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to my wife about an invasive medical procedure, complaining about that swab, and she's like, "Dude, you're not a woman. You've never, you've never oh, known man. what an invasive mm-hmm. medical procedure is." And uh, I just stopped talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Figured that was the right move, but uh, yeah, for real. And then uh, after that, just to make 2020 as good as it possibly can be, um, we woke up on the Fourth of July. You know, I live in. Tennessee, which is basically, I mean, I know everywhere's hot right now, but in Tennessee, July is, imagine a, uh, you know this, Derek, but just for our listeners, if they don't, July in Tennessee is like someone took a really plush beach towel, soaked it in water, uh, microwaved it for like four minutes, and then as soon as you step out of your house, they wrap you in it. Mm -hmm. And so I got up on the, the morning of the 4th of July, and I was like, man, the house is strangely warm. I went and checked the AC unit, and oh, no. HVAC was blowing air, but she wasn't blowing cold air. Ugh. And, you know, small-town America, there's a ton of HVAC repairmen who want to come out on a holiday weekend and fix your air conditioning. So we uh, we had to abandon ship. The, the first night, we went to uh, a friend's house for fireworks and whatnot, and... I was going to, I was going to, I was selling our kids like, Hey, let's camp at dad's office because <laughs> dad's office has air conditioning. Yeah. And my wife was like, you know what? It's going to be evening time. It'll be cool in the house. We're just going to go back. And I was like, well, I've got to work tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to crash at the office still. Cause I don't want to be sweating through the night, uh, you know, thinking it was going to be hotter. So I stayed the night in my office. And the next day uh, when I met back up with her and the kids, she's like, we got to find somewhere else to stay tonight. Last night was miserable. Mm. So we camped out at a friend's camper. And anyway, 
guy fixed us up yesterday. But, I mean, really, it's just the hits keep coming. I, this is really high-class problems. There's all kinds of people who have it much worse than I do. I, I get all of that. I'm just saying that it's not like uh, it's not like petty, awful stuff makes anything better. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm ready for I'm ready for even like the earlier part of 2020 where my stuff just worked to come back. Yeah, man. The first six weeks of 2020 were some of my favorites. I mean, you look back on them now like a golden age of civilization. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, even I mean, stuff was even going on then too. You know, I remember what three days into the year we thought we were going to war with Iran. Yeah. And then Aust- Australia was on fire. You know. That's true. I. But. <laughs> that's true. Never mind. I would draw all those positive comments. I can't remember <laughs> a time. <laughs> I can't remember I, but, a time I when mean, things out, were good. Outside of outside of those, you know, those things, man. I I, I did. Though. I had a really good. I had a really good like first two months of. Of um, 2020, honestly, when things went sideways, um, and that may not have been the best choice of words, but was when that tornado hit Cookville. Yep, yeah, that was a big, a big wake up call right there. <laughs> Little did I know that was just the appetizer. Yeah, as soon as that happened, man, it just felt like the bottom dropped out. Yeah, yep. Oh. Well, let's talk about something. Uh, let's talk about something good, uh, unless you've got any other. Things to complain about, like a, like a big wuss? No, I'm good. I've emptied the bag. Um, have you had the chance, you and the family had a chance, or do you even have any desire, which I think that you do, to see Hamilton? So, this is this is yet again Jeff whining at a ridiculous uh, you know degree of, of fragility. But you remember that thing dropped uh, July 3rd, right, on Disney Plus? Yes. Yep, July 3rd. So we had some stuff we had to get done. Our plan was to uh, get ready for the 4th of July fireworks and whatnot by watching Hamilton. Okay. But my house decided to spit us out. Right. And so we got home last night after, you know, packing up all our stuff. We got home last night like at 730 and my kids go to bed early and we're like, Mm -hmm. we want them to watch Hamilton with us. So. Actually, you know what? I can't because I've got a work commitment tonight. Uh, but maybe Thursday night, which is yeah. it's just awful. But that's the really the first time I'm going to have to to watch it. Uh, well, don't feel too bad, man. I haven't had a chance to watch it either. I mean, you've seen it though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually uh, got to be in the room where it happens. But yeah. uh, I'm assuming, yeah, I'm, like, really- I know you and Allison, and I, I know some people locally who've seen it, and I kind of hate you all. Yeah, and you should. You should. It is really one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I've, I've been pretty bummed about it, man. You know, well, as soon as I found out that it was coming out on, uh, as soon as I found out it was coming out on Disney Plus, I was like, okay, cool. This is going to be great. You know, set up everything, and then um, we went from. I think we went from having we were supposed to have one show on on Friday to having three shows on Friday. So by the time I got up. Ate breakfast, went to the gym. I had to be at work, and then I worked three shows, and I came home, and I was like, "Well, I could watch it now, but I have to get up and do this exact same thing tomorrow." Yeah. Um, and so my original plan <laughs> was to watch it last night, and uh, and then I got called into work. So, so awesome. I don't know when I'll get to watch it, but uh, I'll race you to Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Hey man, I really hope you get to watch it before I do. Um, I've I've been able to sneak like little pieces of it here and there on my phone, like during breaks. But I don't want to watch all of it on my phone. Like I want to sure sit down and and be able to watch it, you know, on my nice big TV in the comfort of my own home. Yeah, I, you know, my version of that is I have a bunch of friends who know that I like musicals and. Were, was excited to see it and they keep texting me and I'm like, I, I'm not going to ride back. <laughs> Just stop. I haven't seen it. I'll let you know, leave me alone. Yeah. It's not a, it's not an easy time for my family right now. We not, not so much over the heat uh, or the coronavirus, but because we can't watch the musical, we want to watch. Yeah. Respect our privacy. That's right. In this difficult time. This difficult time. Amen. Plus so. because of the swab. I no longer know how to use my left hand, so I got to figure that out. <laughs> uh, you're like Daniel Day Lewis in my left foot. 
Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love uh, I love Daniel Day Lewis. Thought I knew everything he'd been involved in, but I do not know my left foot. But that's yeah, also really. Could, I mean, honestly, this could also be because of the swab. Maybe I did once upon a time know about this. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, my left foot was the first Oscar Daniel Day Lewis won. Uh-huh. He, uh, yeah, he plays. I'm trying to remember here, he plays a uh, a man born with cerebral palsy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess as a method actor, he probably lived like that, right? Like, oh, yeah, about Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, he apparently like broke some ribs and because mm. he, you know, he would just slouch in the chair, you know, in his wheelchair all the time. And uh, wound up, wound up where they, they he, he broke some ribs and stuff. It's crazy, man. That's wild. He's nuts. But uh, yeah, he won. Yeah, he won the best actor in uh, 1990 for My Left Foot. Oh, that's cool. Well, if I ever get back to my house again, I may watch that after Hamilton. Yeah. Hey, speaking of watching stuff, this is actually a horror movie podcast. Still, we we did remember that, listener. Do you want to talk about a horror movie? Ah. Uh, no, that's actually why I'm trying to keep talking about everything but that. Can we talk about Shoji Dabuchi again? <laughs> oh, baby, I can't let you do that because, listen, out of all the trials and tribulations I've been on here belly aching about, the horror uncle showed up for oh, Paranormal Lord. Activity 5, the marked ones. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into that, Jeff Wright, I do need to ask you a question. Are you prepared to unveil your summer bot? I mean, I'm always ready to reveal my summer bot. I don't know that my community is really ready for that. <laughs> the sun is up high in the sky. I may make everyone go snow blind when, <laughs> when the sun reflects off my pasty white flesh. So, so, I mean, I guess the short answer is yes and no. Or someone will just hand you a Coca-Cola and they'll be like, here, polar bear, you can have this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Along with my shirt. Like, go ahead and put that back on now. <laughs> Well, hey, man, don't worry about it. Keep that shirt off because Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Sweet. Yeah, don't be that guy at the beach with a bear rug on your chest, all right? Or if maybe you put on a little extra poundage, maybe you got a little bit more, at least the least thing that you can do is to make sure that you're hairless. And Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They've forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. Uh, this perfect package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and tons of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market. It's a third generation trimmer. It features skin safe technology to reduce those manscaping accidents. Uh, you can also adjust the settings to get the length you like and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Be sure to use their crop cleanser to keep your hair and skin looking healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, so it's just as good for healthy chest hair as it is for your skin. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find Manscaped's prop, or excuse me, crop preserver, easy for me to say, an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer because, hey man, it's hot outside right now, as Jeff said, and uh, we all know that painful chafing can be where you're wearing your bathing suit all day long. Nobody wants that. You're also going to find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's designed to give you a little pep in your step. Subscribe to the Perfect Package today and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. And for limited time, only subscribers are going to get two free gifts. The Shed Treble Bag, valued at $39, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. And guys, let me tell you. I've got a pair of those boxer briefs. They are the best boxer briefs I have ever had in my entire life. And I'm not just saying that because Manscaped is a sponsor of the show. I'm saying it because it's the truth. So, fellas, if you're looking for high-quality boxer shorts, the Perfect Package 3.0 is the way to go. And just because your boy's here, it's all set to scary. Love you so much. We're going to give you 20% off and free shipping with the code SCARYPOD at manscaped.com. So do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. 20% off of free shipping with the code SCARYPOD at manscaped.com. Thanks, Manscaped. We love you, and we thank you for your sponsorship. Well, Derek, that set of products you just mentioned sounds like an excellent gift idea for any of our listeners who have men in their life with uh, July and August birthdays. Yeah, man. I mean, that promo code will work for, uh, for a gift for somebody else too, right? I believe it will. All right. Well, guess what, man? We're getting to talk about a really good movie this week, right? 
Are we talking about Twister this week? <laughs> no. We're meeting back up with, I guess, Toby. Maybe Toby's cousins. I'm not sure. Uh, you ready to pull the curtain on Paranormal Activity, the mask ones? No. I don't even get to pull the string? No. All right. Well, I'm going to call Walbert again. Maybe he'll be in a better mood. Okay. Oh, Mark. What? No. Spoiler alert. Look at that bright-eyed young man. He's doing okay. He didn't have his IQ points swabbed away. <laughs> he probably also didn't have to watch this movie, which felt like my IQ points were being swabbed away. I mean, I'm not saying that couldn't happen. Hey, can I just start off real quick right off the bat? Sure, man. Um, I loved this movie when it was The Chronicle. Oh, man. We're on the same page. See, Derek? Well, we are the best uh, podcasting duo in the land. We got that Klingon... Not Klingon. What was Spark? Vulcan. Vulcan. We got that Vulcan mind milled. <laughs> I'm a Star Wars guy, not a Star Trek guy. Uh, I mean, for real, I'm just going to start with my side of this equation. I actually enjoyed this movie. Uh, I think this is my third favorite paranormal activity movie, which is like saying, you know, you were the first runner up at the prettiest hog competition. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. You know, now that you've said that, it's probably my third favorite, too, but it's one and then two and then like stories and leaps and bounds farther down to this one. Yeah. OK. I, I mean, I I can't argue with that, but I am going to spend some time gushing over stuff I liked in it. But before I do that, though, I just want to note that on this episode so far, I have confessed that I'm into Roots Country music. I have used the accent that I use because it's the only accent I have. And I just drew a comparison to the first runner up in the prettiest hog competition. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I need the world to open back up. <laughs> I just, I need some horizons. I, uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me feel like I'm back home. Well, speaking of being back home, this is why I like this movie so much. This is what activated horror uncle mode. Okay. Okay. This made me really nostalgic for that two-month window right after you graduate high school. Okay. Like when, they, when they're sitting there in that graduation speech, and then you go out and the family's hugging and everybody's excited. And, you know, there's been some graduation gifts. And, and you've basically got, you know, I don't know what these guys' long-term plans were, but you've basically got a couple months left where just being a kid – is still on the table, but it you can just see the finish line coming, you know? Mm-hmm. And watching those two goofball dudes run around and get into trouble and hijinks and, you know, try to hook up with girls and not really care about anything other than getting some sweet tech and playing with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it pulled me right in. Like, uh, what, what are the kids' names? Jesse and... Uh, Hector. Hector. I like them behind Katie... They're my. They're the most likable people in this entire franchise for me. Okay. And I just looked at those guys and I thought, I I was y'all different context, clearly different cultural context, mm-hmm. but I remember those days so well. And I guess because 2020 has been so awful, I kind of look back on that that little season post graduation from high school and thought, oh man, that I'm not. I don't want to go back there and live there, right? I wouldn't trade what I'm doing for that, but I wouldn't mind dropping in on vacation every now and then. Mm. Nothing, nothing stirs your cold heart. Dude, I hate this movie. Oh, don't hate this movie. No, I really do. There's good it's, stuff here. It's, it's bloated. It's garbage. I'm actually surprised that you like it as much as you do. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I really did like this and enjoyed the experience. Um, I, I will say that you're not wrong. Uh, Andrew Jacobs and, um, and Jorge Diaz really do a fantastic job of making you feel like that Jesse and Hector are lifelong best friends and um and i i can i can kind of see where you're coming from when you say the stuff about nostalgia and um you know those those two months after high school but uh, dude there's just a lot of garbage in this movie that i can't overcome you know for me uh, and i realize we just come at this from a different place i'm still on found footage island i can still tolerate that stuff uh, i'm I mean, at the end of the last movie, I was about as burned out on this franchise as I possibly could be, which I think we mm-hmm. have in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these guys did kind of invigorate it for me. And it, it really is like their friendship and Jesse in particular 
as a human interest piece that kind of pulled me back in. And hmm. uh, I think you're right. I think it's because the two leads are really strong playing these goofy, not quite yet men, you know? Yeah. Uh, and honest to goodness, not that this matters, but it's just something I wrote in my notes. I was watching for a long time with Jesse being like, where do I know this kid from? Because I, I know I've seen the movie, but I think I watched it one time in the theater and I, I've never come back to it. Mm-hmm. Where do I know this kid from? And you know who I think my brain, my post-swab brain was trying to uh, to make him be in my head? Who's that? Tell me if I'm wrong. Taylor Lautner. Okay. I kept looking at him and be like, I know I've seen this guy. And I think it was Taylor Lautner. Hmm. So... He's done nothing since this movie, really. So apparently, Hollywood casting agents have not seen the comparison my my brain make, but uh, <laughs> my brain made. But uh, I I think it's there. I think if you if you if your production can't afford Taylor Lautner, maybe reach out to the guy who played Jesse. Uh, there's, a, I guess, by extension too. I really enjoyed the family dynamic in this movie. Like the family, they're not living in the easiest conditions, right? There's like a bunch of them crammed into that apartment. Mm-hmm. But they really, I mean, you know, for, for a found footage horror movie made on a $10 budget, they really did a good job of making me think that this was a family unit who liked each other and had each other's backs. I really like drunk grandma, like dancing and singing. I thought she yeah. was really charming. Yeah. Um, and let me ask you this question. Maybe I missed this entirely. And if I did, I'm going to feel really stupid. But is there any connection between this family or their community and the uh, the woman who is the house keeper in the second paranormal activity um not that i know of now Allie comes back from the second paranormal activity yeah and the tapes show back up in anna's apartment right and i yeah i just thought maybe there would be some kind of connection uh, not that I, I not that i can remember but honestly dude i mean my eye was glazed over so oh, yeah. well listener if we've missed it, please fill us back in. And, and the only reason I say that is because this movie, this franchise, takes pains to try to connect, you know, each movie to the predecessor. I don't think there's any necessary connection between, you know, a Latina housekeeper and, and the community in this movie. It's just that these movies tend to try to draw those lines pretty brightly. So if I missed it, uh, let me know. I'd love to. On that front, too, I really enjoyed getting out of the suburbs. Yeah, I did that, too. The the post graduation party in like the the courtyard of the apartment, dude. I'd love to have been invited to that party. It looked like so much fun, and it. I mean, it's fine to have a bunch of suburban moms running around, you know, playing with their kids and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice change of pace. Uh, I don't even remember that happening. Yeah. Well, the change in setting also. It also like. And this is something I liked about the movie. It broadened the it, it it world built well. Like you know, basically in the first two films, and gosh, the the timeline's running. So the first four films, every family in that movie is largely insulated from external threats. Like the demon is the big threat, or mm-hmm. maybe mom and dad's marriage not going well is 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 a big threat too. But like. You get the sense that when these people walk out of their homes, they're going trick-or-treating and fist-bumping with their neighbor rather than showing off their new camera and the guys across the street who are engaged in shady stuff think they're filming them. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in that way, this is a this is a weird stretch. For about the first four-fifths of this movie, this is the most realistic paranormal activity. Like, you're not in a bubble anymore. Yeah. And before we move on... From this, uh, just kind of wrapping up the theme about liking the characters and whatnot. With Jesse, I felt his slide into the demonic. Uh, I felt it as strongly as anybody but Katie in this. That scene in the grocery store where he just becomes, I mean, he basically looks like a guy who's roid raging. Mm-hmm. I actually, I was like, dang it, Jesse, I don't want this for you. And by the time he is torturing the dog on the ceiling, Mm-hmm. I actually I was bummed out. I was like, "Dadgummit!" The the demon took something good, and and it really harkening back to Katie was the uh, was the only comparison I could make. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Well, I mean, I'm I'm dude. I'm seriously like I'm glad that you felt that kind of connection with these people. This movie is terrible. Oh, 
This movie is 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 garbage, and it is a rehash of Chronicle. Like that's all this is. It's oh hey, the Chronicle did really well for us last year, or did really well for another movie studio last year. Let's make let's make one like that, but we'll do the paranormal activity stuff. Outside of Jesse and Hector's friendship, I had no connection to Jesse whatsoever. And and when he, I mean, he's just a means to an end. Like there's nothing. And the whole movie is is garbage, and it's rehashed stuff that we've seen over and over and over again. And I'm sorry for being negative, but, dude, I hate this series. I hate Paranormal Activity. I don't ever want to watch another one ever again. The, the, the first one was, was good, but it wasn't everything that it was cracked up to be, and they have just completely fallen by the wayside. This makes no sense to me at all. Why are we still doing these movies? Well, thank I've, you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I don't blame you for that conclusion. Uh, obviously, I'm not there. I, I told, I say, blame you. Like, I, I get it. Right. I do think that uh, if this were the third Paranormal Activity rather than the fifth, it might be received differently on your side. Uh, you're right. Like all the tricks have basically been done at this point. And it's actually trying to find a new angle that I think really takes this movie into the dumpster in the last fifth of it. Yes. Uh, but if, you know, if we had had basically Katie and Christie's family for those two installments, uh, we didn't have to go back in time to see. Uh, I know you liked that character and you were right, but I, I kept calling him Proto Mika. I can't remember his name, but the, the mom timeline. Yeah, Dennis, I believe, was the guy's name. Yeah, and then we don't go out into the the suburbs with the the ghost kid human trafficker. I think uh-huh. I would have liked this because it would have been like, we kind of got Katie and Christie's story fleshed out. Now we're seeing how these things affect the rest of the world. And I think I could, I think if I could pull the Derek out of that timeline and ask him, he probably doesn't despise it as much as, as you do. And in fact, I think that would be an interesting franchise. <laughs> You might be right on that, but again, had I not seen this movie a year ago called Chronicle, I think I would have been a lot more impressed with it. Yeah. But, dude, it's the exact same stuff. Like, oh, cool, Michael B. Jordan can fly. Oh, cool, he can levitate. Oh, cool, now he's using his powers for evil. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Oh, darn, now he's a bad guy. Like, give me something original. Give me something new. Or stop making these god-awful movies. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, man. I'm half hot. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and the I, fact that we the fact that we've got one more to watch makes me sick to my stomach. Well, actually, you know, there's a there's a Japanese version too. Dude, I will <laughs> I will end my relationship with this podcast. I love you, and we can keep skyping every week, but I will not. <laughs> Duly noted. I am gonna watch. I'm, I'm making a horror reporter segment. You don't have to listen to it. I'll just pre-record it. <laughs> <laughs> No, you could you could record it. I'll just step away. I'll just step away so no one can hear me swear off air. <laughs> Kill the mic. Yeah. Well, on the Chronicle thing, I, so I've got two other elements under like stuff I liked about this movie. One is that this is by far the funniest of them. Like they do sight gags and whatnot. Sure. Which again, if it's the third movie in the franchise, I think feels refreshing and differentiating it from the others, you know, Uh, when, when Hector does the trust fall and the demon doesn't have his back, it's cheap. And it was worth a laugh. You know, it gave me a laugh. Yeah, you're right. Uh, But the Chronicle thing, I actually want, sorry, my, my mute does not work on my phone. Apparently Uh, (laughs) the Chronicle thing I wanted to talk to you about because I find it interesting, but I also feel like it's pretty shoehorned in there. Okay. And I think, uh, I think Christopher Landon is the guy who directed this one. I'm with you. He clearly watched Chronicle and thought, oh, that's what we should do with found footage. How do I make that part of paranormal activity? Yeah. Which, by the way, how does Michael Landon's son being a part of this? Well, he's Michael been, Landon. Isn't he involved in like multiple films in different roles? I think he's, I think like this franchise, he's got a pretty big footprint in. I'm sure it is, man. But come on. Your dad's rolling over in his grave. <laughs> Well, I mean, Touched by Toby versus Touched by an Angel. Was that what? No, he did Highway to Heaven. Highway to Heaven. That's right. How, That's right. How dare you besmirch the good name of Michael Landon. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I just couldn't remember which Angel movie he was in. It's quite all right. Uh, so the Chronicle stuff was cool. I enjoyed the effect. Like, and, and the the one where they encounter the gangsters at the basketball court mm-hmm. makes sense to me that like – 
the demon who wants to possess this kid isn't going to let him get killed. Mm-hmm. It was it was internally consistent, and so I thought like, okay, good job. You went and reached out to a better movie, drew an appropriate element in. But then when you get to the trust falls part, I was like, the demon won't let him fall over. The demon just wants to play catch with him. And, and if you can kind of see through your hatred, nope. Do you think on the creative people's side that they thought this was another one of those like Toby likes to play pranks things? Or were they just trying to figure out how to make this more like Chronicle? To me, they're just trying to figure out a way to make it more like Chronicle. I, I don't think I don't think that these people had much thought at all going into this. It was just, hey, we probably need to stop whitewashing this franchise. So let's set it in a Latino community and we'll or, or maybe they didn't even maybe they didn't even uh think that it was going to be a paranormal activity movie until the very end where they're like, oh, crap, we need to shoehorn Katie into this somehow. Yeah. Which, by the way, I uh, I know that I'm jumping ahead on this, but um, I know that I told the listeners the last time that we were recording that there was a there was an audible, for God's sakes, moment for me in the theater. And when Katie shows up, that was it. I audibly went, I'm done with this, to the humorous laughs of the entire audience. Well, I, I think on that front, then let's save it because I think by the time we yeah. get to the ending of this movie, you and I will be in lockstep about how awful it is. Good. Give in to the hate. Yeah. It's hard not to by the end of that movie. Even the horror uncle was covering his eyes. So I'm I'm with you on the Chronicle thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would have liked to see a version of this movie that did more of that if they could come up with a reason for it to happen. Okay. You know, like basically he the demon defends Jesse against the bad guys. He learns the trust fall thing. And then I guess this just unlocks his inner champion. And so he's you know, he's super confident with girls and he feels like he can move places. Uh if you could give me a reason, like he decides he's gonna set the you know, set the set things right with a neighborhood bully and uses mm-hmm. the demon to do it. Uh yeah. So Give me some of that. But the Trust Falls deal, it, it took me out. And like you said, I, I ultimately agree with you. They were just trying to shoehorn it in. The first use was clever. The second was like, ah, dude, come on. Let's just, uh, if this is all we're going to do with it, let's just put the toy away. Yeah. Did they explain how Allie gets connected to these guys? She is, um, she, her phone number is on Oscar's wall when they go visit Oscar's big brother. Gotcha. So somehow Oscar knew Allie. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think that Oscar was trying to figure out the root cause of, you know, all of this, this uh, ridiculousness and it traced it back to Allie. And um, you can see Hector grabbing the, Okay. Here's another thing. Why the F are they filming everything, dude? Like, I know it's, I know they have to for this, but it does not make any sense. Like, <laughs> it, at least in the first two, it made sense, but it doesn't make sense anymore. So stop doing it. If you want to keep the Paranormal Activity franchise going, just make it an effing movie. Like, by now, we all know that it's fake. We all know that none of this is real. So just make it a movie. There's no reason to have found footage in this thing. And every time that there is there is a camera in this, I just want to roll my eyes. There's no you're gonna you're gonna tell me you're gonna get hit by a car and you're gonna keep your GoPro on. Man, get the f out of here! <laughs> All right, you're gonna drop your GoPro down so you can see some fat lady marking up on this lady. Like it's just it's just stupid. And, and it's my biggest it's my biggest complaint about found footage. If you want me to get back into found footage, make it to where it makes sense. Otherwise, stop doing it because everyone looks like a bunch of freaking morons. I'm hot today, Jeff. I'm sorry, man. I this this movie has officially made me I'm done with found footage forever. We're gonna watch this god awful sixth movie. I'm done with it. Uh, I know that there's there's talk about making another one. I will not watch it. Mm. If you want if if you want to watch it, or you want to get somebody else to review the movie with you, that's fine. I'm done with them. F this F this franchise, F found footage, I'm out. Hmm. Well, so I have a contradictory point and a sympathetic point here. One, 
I think I've told this story on the on the podcast. When what I did with my graduation money was invest in a bunch of tech. I went and bought a new TV, and at that time, DVD players were fairly new. Mm-hmm. I didn't have one, and so I went and spent a bunch of money on a new TV, a DVD player, and the Exorcist DVD. Okay, there again in the nostalgia sense. Could Jeff Wright have been more interested in cameras than movies? and spent his money on a camera that summer? Yeah, for sure I could have. And I would have been the guy annoying everyone carrying my camera around all summer, recording everything. So the the reason these guys are carrying stuff to record with doesn't, it doesn't gall me the way that it does you. It doesn't gall me the same way I did when like, it did when uh, the, the, the daughter in the last movie was carrying her laptop everywhere. Because I could see myself in Jesse and Hector's shoes. Like, I got this sweet new camera, I spent a ton of money on, I'm going to record everything in the world. So that being said, that's my country point. It it dawned on me how I would make the next Paranormal Activity movie if I was going to make one. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Here's us giving Hollywood their best idea, okay? You need to do it with police body cams. Mm. So you've got a beat cop, maybe in this neighborhood, some other neighborhood being affected by the coven. And because of... You know, lawsuits and, and abuse and everything, the the department is insisting that no body cams on any police officers get turned off at all. You'll lose your job if you if you turn it off. Mm-hmm. And so then they're the ones like investigating stuff, they're encountering stuff, and there's a reason for the camera to stay on. And you could, you know, assuming the patrol cops have partners, you could you could make use of car cameras, you could make use of both partners' cameras, and you could kind of splice something together from Multiple reels of footage. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that, that I think, is the last... That's the last chance they have to make a movie that is reasonable. Or I guess you could... You would have to make everything super public, so a ton of people with smartphones recorded it, and you were, like, splicing together YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, to this movie's credit, mm-hmm. it introduces the YouTube phenomenon and handles it well, because exactly what happens to these guys is what happens on YouTube. Upload the footage. Let everybody tell you what a tool you are. Yeah. So there you go. I'm, what do you think about my body cam? My body cam premise. I hate it. <laughs> There's no version, huh? No. You you were just saying, give me a reason. Body cams on cops. That's the reason. Uh, dude, I, I hate it. <laughs> I, I hate anything and everything to do with found footage. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I do think that that's probably the, the, the right way to go about it if you're going to go about it. But outside of making like a Batman movie found footage, there's not anything I think that's going to put me back in a the theater to watch a found footage movie. Yeah, I don't blame you for that. I, I mean, I, I'll definitely be there. <laughs> I'll definitely be there like opening night. But I know that I'm a crazy person. Um. I, I, there's a poignant part in this movie, too, that I think actually mm. works as a metaphor. So I'm going to mm. throw this at you. See if it can stir the ashes of your cold heart. Mm. There's a line of dialogue where Jesse realizes he's in real trouble and there's not really an exit vector. Mm-hmm. And he said, I felt like I was special, but now I realize you know, that wasn't the case or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that landed uh, that landed poignantly on me. Again, think about the nostalgia thing I was telling you about, right? Like... You've graduated high school. You've got some money in your pocket. You've got some free time. The world really does seem to be your oyster. And so this kid, in that context, started getting these chronicle powers and thought, man, things are really looking up for me. So he says, I thought I felt, I thought I was special, but I've realized that's not it at all. And dude, not to go super dark on a 2020 episode, but I think that's a pretty good metaphor for the transition from high school to the real world. Like you come out of high school graduation, you think, yeah. I am pretty special. I am part of this great class that's going to change the world. And then two years later, you're like, you know what? I'm actually on the same path everybody has ever walked. Does that make sense? Yeah. Poor old Jesse. The worst kind of epiphany. Last one. There's a spinoff from this movie that I would watch every bit of. I would watch every episode. Okay. I, I actually want a found footage style TV show and I will, I will watch every one of these. Here it is. At the very end of the of the movie, when the neighborhood gangsters take shotguns into the witch's coven mm-hmm. 
And the crazy witch comes running out of the dark screaming, and the gangster turns around and blows her away with a shotgun. If those two guys could team up to just go clean out this coven everywhere it exists because of what the coven did to uh, that one guy's little brother, and all we have are just crazy witches screaming at people and then getting shotgunned away by like 30 feet, you know? Mm -hmm. I loved every bit of that, and I would watch that series all day long. You call it Witch Hunter? Yeah, Witch Hunter be fine by me. I had written down uh, Cholo Witch Hunters, but we can just go Witch Hunters. That, I don't even know how long it was. That like 30 second section of a witch coming, you know, with a knife and a guy turning around and, and shooting her with a shotgun may be my favorite 30 seconds in this entire franchise. Yeah. The visual is just so funny. And you have no regrets because these are murderous demon serving child killing witches and so there's no there's no moral compulsion you know? yeah. they did round out the coven uh, also like it's no longer the charge of the Karen brigade because we see that there's people of color involved as well mm-hmm. and uh, that that worked okay for me but not nearly as much as watching the neighborhood gangsters with shotguns clean out the nest all right, man. I think I'm ready to talk about all the stuff that sucks to the nth degree in this film. Uh, man, I don't think I have the strength to go blow by blow, blow through this movie. I got two points for you, buddy. The freaking- well, I mean, you, you talked about you wanted to talk about everything that sucks in it. I mean, that's the entire hour and 24 minutes. <laughs> so, oh man, I'm just sitting over here cool as ice in my horror uncle uh, chair, totally unaffected by that. But I, I will lob these at you for you to crush out of the park. Okay. Okay. The Jesse can teleport through a boom tube scene. Mm-hmm. It, honest to goodness, for me, who I, you you just heard me like I'm trying, I'm straining, and I'm I'm inclined to like these movies. The fact that he teleported into the room, and I guess that, that means he had teleported out of the room, and then just stood there levitating in a display of his power, which was wrecking this poor woman's home, really might be a franchise killer in terms of the internal. Storytelling of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, why can the demon teleport? If the demon can teleport people, why does Katie have to walk off with the kid? You know what I mean? Like we've talked about how suspending your disbelief is necessary for horror movies, but you also can't like antagonize your audience with it. And as soon as that dude boom tubes into the living room, all the mechanics of all the other previous movies are all entirely thrown off. Mm-hmm. We don't need the little kid out recruiting uh, the adopted kid to like come over to the witch house. They could all just teleport around, and so I hated that. Any any additional scoring to throw on that? No, uh, it's garbage. Yeah, it, it, yet again, cheap storytelling, cheap writing, uh, introducing it's, an element that has no business there. It's trailer fodder. Yeah, that's well said. That's that's exactly right. I have not thought about that, but that was there for the trailer. Uh and that, even as terrible as that is, it pales in comparison. Uh, you know the way a ant hill pales in comparison to Mount Kilimanjaro from the crazy awfulness and outright stupidity of the ending of this movie. Why in the world? Uh, set aside the mechanics. Why in the world would you connect these people back to Katie and Mika? Is there any objective reason? Just to get a pop, man. I guess that's it. I guess it's just for a cheap thrill. <sighs> and the idea that like interacting with Hector is what triggered Katie to scream for Mika is just so dumb. And I've never been in one of the rooms, but I can just picture a writer's meeting where they're like, you know what would be cool? He finds himself in their apartment. He doesn't know what's going on, but the, the audience does. And he taps her on the shoulder, and she starts screaming like crazy. <laughs> and it's just stupid. It's stupid. It's cheap. It's worthless. And again, the great sin of a sequel is to make me like the original movie less. The move, the original movie is much scarier if we know that Katie had just lured him down there as a demon-possessed person in order to brutally murder him. Mm-hmm. Hector doesn't add anything. He just takes it away. He takes away so much. And I just hated it, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're, you're mean to tell me that when Katie kills Mika, there's also another dead body 
and you know downstairs with Hector. Um, there's also these. <laughs> there's also these black hole doors that you can open and go into another person's house. You can go into another time. Like yeah. dude, it's just it's all gimmicks for gimmicks' sake. And it's again, that's why it makes me wonder if they just did a movie similar to Paranormal Activity, and the people behind Paranormal Activity were like, "Oh, dang, that's that's good enough that we should just make it into ours." So we'll just shoehorn Katie and Mika into it, and that way it'll give hmm. we'll swerve them, bro. Like the Cloverfield approach. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that I don't think that's how this movie came to be, but that's how shoddy the workmanship is here. That that's a credible yeah. theory, you know. Uh, and, and again, it just doesn't do anything because if the if the coven can time travel, mm-hmm. uh, if they can warp along these boom tubes, they are godlike, and there's no conspiracy, which was part of the scariness all along, right? That these mm-hmm. there was this conspiracy to take these first, this woman, and then her nephew, uh, and make them vessels for a demon. If you can travel time. And and warp into places without having to physically travel there. Uh, there there's nothing that you can't do, and so you, you just got this godlike cult that gets more powerful the earlier we see them. And I, again, you're you're cutting the legs out from under the first movie, which is the one we all like the best anyway, or most of us. Like I, I think I like the second one better, but anyway, you're you're, you're cutting cutting the roots. I, I just don't understand it. And apart from what you said is that they don't care at all about the franchise or the story or anything that would give them sustainability. They're just trying to build a sweet trailer and give us some kind of like, oh, snap moment that ends up ruining the franchise. And if you're going to, like you said earlier, if you're going to do this, quit making the movies, please. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that movie for me, four fifths of the way. I was rejuvenated. By the time you get to that last section, I just, I feel insulted. Yeah. It's, it's sad that this, that this franchise is even considered to be a franchise because all it is, is just individual movies Hmm. that try to find a way to shoehorn itself into the continuity of the movie. And all they do is contradict each other. And all they do is make, like you said, make you go back to the first one and despise the first one. Yeah. Uh, I never, I never needed to see Katie kill Mika mm-hmm. in that kitchen. Never. Mm-hmm. Because it's the appeal. It's better off screen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The appeal to the first one is, holy crap, what did I just see? And now, and now, do you think that your audience is too stupid to not fill in the blanks on on their own, or do you feel like that it is a necessity? That oh man, I really wish we could have saw what happened with Mika and Katie. Well, not if it's going to be like this. Yeah, and and everything that's left unseen in the first one is where the scares really come from when it comes to Mika's fate. Yep. When when you show him get stabbed to death, it's just gratuitous and it takes away the mystique. Yep. I just. I mean, listener, you can tell I want to like this movie. I want to like these movies, but this is just shameful cash grabbery. And uh, as much as I love horror movies, I don't have any stomach for that nonsense. No, nope. I uh, I hate it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, like like I said, I haven't had any. I haven't really had any positive stuff to say about this movie. This one, this one did me in. Uh, the fourth one, I was on the verge. You know. Um, the fourth one, there was a lot of uh, stupidity and plot holes and inconsistencies that that made me that made me start to realize that my goodwill for these movies was wavering. But this one broke me, and uh, I I go into next week having never seen Ghost Dimension, uh, and and honestly wishing that I didn't have to see it. You know, on that point, I know that I have seen this because again, I'll. I'm the fool that keeps getting these movies made. And I, I'll just own that. Like, as frustrated and insulted as I feel, me showing up is why they keep making them. So I'm I'm to blame. I know I have seen this movie that we got to watch next week. Mm-hmm. I can't remember anything about it, but I've seen the cover. And the cover has, like, a little girl about to step into a mystical portal that's opened up in her bedroom wall. Oh, Lord. 
And I just realized like, oh, they've they've baked all this crazy time travel and teleportation crap in. And so now they're going to have to make something of it. Good. So it's going to be Poltergeist. Uh, maybe. It won't be anything near as good as Poltergeist. Wow. It's going to be somebody trying to take... You remember on the um, the last one we watched, the creative team had said the, the little boy... Uh, I can't remember his name, but the little boy who was working on behalf of the coven. And the idea that Hunter had been adopted. That those were interesting elements for someone to explain later. I, I, I can just tell. They cracked the seal... And now everyone feels like they can just roll the problem over to the next person. Mm-hmm. And I, it looks to me like on this last one, that problem's really going to... I mean, I know it already has for you. But even for me, it's like a guy who I couldn't be more inclined to try to like these movies. That, that bill's going to come due. The problem's been rolled over and somebody's going to have to try to take a bunch of those elements and tie a knot out of them. And it's going to be awful. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know anything about the ghost dimension. Um, the only thing that I know from, from what I've read is that the, uh, creators, um, the, the brain trust, if that, if you could even call them that, um, behind these movies said that you will finally see Toby in paranormal activity, the ghost dimension. I know that was the, that was the big tag in it Hmm. Uh, dude i could not care less i don't care if toby turns out to be a child or an old man or a cartoon version of the devil i couldn't care less all the interests that i had in that in that entity is out the window when you've got jesse who looks like a (laughs) who looks like a reject from thriller at the end of this thing that's true too i just i i'm done I'm done. And you're going to tell me uh, and another thing. You're going to tell me that those witches were walking through Katie and Mika's house that night because that witch picked up the camera and turned it off. Like, man, this is garbage. 100%. Like, I, I think I like the boy too better than this movie. <laughs> oh, we are in rarefied, not air. We're in rarefied sewage at that point. Or what was that god awful movie we saw this year with the two kids and the and the nanny with um that was the previous paranormal activity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, good call. Um do you know what I'm talking about though? With um ah gosh, what's the kid's name? It's in Stranger Things and It. Um He was the creepy older brother. Yes, it was an adaptation of the turning of the screw. I think yeah. it was called the turning. I think you're right. The, yeah, the turning. That's yeah. what we called it. The turning. Like I think I like that movie better than I liked the marked ones. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, to repeat the theme, I don't think you're wrong. I don't like. I would rather watch this movie because four fifths of the way through, I was invested I, I, with e- with either one of those movies. I wasn't. But both of those, the boy and the turning, they share the same failure. Like their endings are awful. They're nonsensical. But this movie is even worse on that front mm-hmm. because it reaches back to affect movies I liked better. So, again, I'm, I'm conflicted. If somebody put a gun to my head and said, you have to watch The Turning or Paranormal Activity, the masked one, the marked ones, rather, I would pick Paranormal Activity because there's something that I would like at some point along the way. But the ending is still so egregious that it's basically shameful. So we do have one more. We have one more to yeah. go. Also. How how did Anna have those tapes of Katie and Christy? Yeah. If if we didn't see those tapes until two thousand nine or two thousand eleven, uh, dude, this is yeah, this is where they just going backwards has is another decision they made with the franchise that just hasn't served them well because they just like hey you know what Anna can have the tapes first and we'll bring in Allie uh, you know so this is all like coextensive with the second movie leading up to the first movie. Mm-hmm. But a bunch of the jumbled stuff in there makes you ask those kind of questions. Like, why do they even need the tapes in a physical location that is is vulnerable? If they can jump and teleport, put them in a, in a locked you know storage unit somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and just teleport over them if you need the tape for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe she, I guess maybe Anna just teleported over to Daniel and uh, Christy's house and got them out of their basement. 
or Mika and Katie's house and got them. I, I guess that is it, right? Like, but, uh, got a, uh, you know, there's a time portal in Katie and Mika's home. So I guess she just popped over there and got the, got the tape. Tapes, I don't know, yeah. man. I yeah. hate this thing. It's, it's stupid. Sure. It's stupid. And they should have taken better care of it. Uh, you know what? Uh, last thing though, one, one, one small element I appreciated is that they did not replicate the somebody watching you sleep scene in this. Yeah. I actually think they made fun of it when, uh, when Hector goes in and draws the penis on Jesse's mouth. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably someone kind of cracking on that trope in the franchise. Mm. And in the sense that they're making fun of what has become of the franchise, I guess I'm in for that. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice not to have any like night one. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Well, buddy, I've I've tried all I can, and I've exhausted my resources. You want to come to the questions? Uh, yeah, sure, man. Did we see something scary? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say yes. And I'm glad at this point that we're separated by physical distance, because I think you might punch me. Two things got me in this movie. When Oscar grabs the the young lady who's hooking up with Jesse in the... Uh, from the hole in the floor. I assumed something was coming out of the hole in the floor. I just figured she would get drug in. Mm-hmm. But that arm snapping out onto her neck jolted me. And then when they go chasing Oscar out into the street and he falls on top of the car, also jolted me. Mm-hmm. So credit where credit's due. I'm going to give a qualified yes. Okay. You were going to uh, say a definitive? Lord, no. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, even those things, man, like I remember in the theater, I went and jump scare, you know, like yeah, sure. it just it's just ugh. Uh, on a scale of one to ten. Where would you put this one? I just wish they had stopped four fifths of the way through, even if they had just ended with like and this is where the footage ran out mm-hmm. on Hector's camera. I would probably have given this movie something close to perfectly acceptable. Um I guess all things considered, having liked most of the movie, I'm going to give it a two. Mm. I'm going to give it a two. The ending is just so brutal. It robs all the good. Uh, I'm going to give this a dud, man. I, 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 like, I can't tell you how much I hated this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that I've done a pretty good job of, of emoting, but I, I, I'm, I'm mad that I've seen it more than once. And uh, I hope and pray to God I never have to watch it again. Uh, no, no argument over here. Although I clearly did like the movie better for a while. I'm glad, you know. Again, man, like here's the thing: I am glad that people can still enjoy these movies. When you when you text me, was it yesterday? And you said the horror uncle is coming back to play. I was like, good, man. We need it because I, I hate I hate it when. Um, we both come on here and crap on a movie, but, um, so I'm, I'm glad that people are still enjoying it, but I'm, I'm done, dude. Like I'm just, I'm done. (laughs) I can't, uh, I can't really, can't really be excited about these movies anymore. And, um, you know, I'm going to try to watch the, uh, the last one tonight just to get it out of the way. Cause the sooner I can get, (laughs) <laughs> sooner I get done with these, the the happier I'll be. Sure. And I know they're I know they're making another one. You know, um, Jason Blum has already come out and said he's he's making another one, and and uh, it should drop next year. And uh, the last thing I read about it is he wants Katie Featherston to come back. And <laughs> and you know what, man, more power to him. But I'll tell you who won't be watching it is this kid right here. Mm. Even with Katie coming back, it could be Katie centric. Like she could be the main person in the whole movie, and I'm gonna be like, I'm out. I need Katie leading a squad of gangster coven fighters, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll buy a t-shirt. If uh, <laughs> maybe the only way that I would watch it is if it's a gang war between Katie and the coven versus these uh, street gangs that was in the marked ones. Bring it on! Give me all that. I'll watch it. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. So, uh, you heard what Jeff and I had to think, or what we thought about the movie. What did you guys think about the movies? Let us know. You can join our Facebook group, We Saw Something Scary. Uh, That's usually the best way to connect with Jeff and I. And uh, a really great group of people who love horror and love, uh, love hanging out with each other. 
And um, it's a, you know, like I said, it's a great little group. I know every weekend they're doing horror trivia, which is pretty cool. So if any of that is something that you're interested in, hop on that Facebook group. We saw something scary on uh, and come be a part of the fun. Uh, um, you sound so defeated, man. I'm so I sorry. I am, dude. It's, yeah. Uh, you can also give us those coveted five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, of course, subscribe. Download every week, uh, wherever you get your podcast from, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, we're everywhere, man. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys are getting these episodes as soon as you possibly can. And then, of course, if you want to partner up with us and help us pay the bills, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash scary podcast. There are four different tiers for you to sign up. And help us out with that. Um, it goes for as little as a dollar a month to ten dollars a month, and we would grateful, we would graciously appreciate that as well. Um, so next week we finish out the paranormal activity series, and hopefully I don't wind up like Os- Oscar at the end of this one. <laughs> <sighs> yes, yes. That is that is where my will is at at the moment. But in the meantime, he's at right, Jeff. I'm at Derek Zoo, and we are out of time. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. We'll be back next week with the final installment so far of the Paranormal Activity uh, Dumpster Fire. But until then, just be aware of clouds and sewers, blind men with turkey basters, and white people with teacups. We'll see you guys back here next week. Bye-bye, man. <laughs>